Ecclesiastes chapter 5. Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I just sang that psalm. I flee to you for my hiding place. Teach me to know thy way. Show me how I should walk, for I lift up my soul to you. Ecclesiastes chapter 5, verse 8. If thou seest the oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice in a province, marvel not at the matter. For, this is why we should not and must not marvel, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. Solomon mentions no name, but we know who the he is that is higher than the highest. I hope and pray we do. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the time we've already had to lift up our hearts in praise and in prayer. And Father, we ask you this morning that you would be pleased to meet with us and speak to us from thy word. We pray, dear God, that you'd help us to close the doors of our hearts and our minds to the world and the troubles and the problems. And Lord, may we open them up to the things of God in eternity. May the Spirit of God speak so sweetly and gently to us this morning. Lord, we have great need of thy Spirit to understand the truth which Solomon speaks of in this verse. For Lord, he speaks of no ordinary faith, but one that has truly acquainted itself with God. Father, we ask that, Lord, you'd help us in these troubled days in which we live to truly be able to say with the psalmist that God is our refuge and our strength, a very present help in time of need. Lord, I pray that you would be lifted up and glorified in all things and that you would draw all your children unto yourself this morning. For I ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. The comfort and encouragement which these words of Solomon offer this morning require a faith which has truly acquainted itself with God. And I say that very cautiously because there are many who profess to have a faith in Christ, in God, and yet it has not been fully acquainted with God himself. Do not misunderstand that statement. All faith is precious. Yet I believe that there are measures of faith according to Scripture, and I believe that God would require of us that we should grow in such grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But we should, as the verse in Job declares, acquaint ourselves more intimately and familiarly with God. And Solomon speaks of such a faith, faith in these words. For I believe no ordinary faith shall do. For Solomon speaks in a way that requires a faith in God, in the person and character of God. For he says, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. 
those who are yet unskillful in the word, as Paul declares, of righteousness, being babes, he said, I believe will stagger at this. And even the full-aged, whose senses have been exercised to discern both good and evil, Solomon says here, shall marvel. And yet these words this morning, beloved, offer the greatest comfort and encouragement in the midst of such great oppression of the poor and violent perverting of judgment and justice than any other scripture in God's Word. And I love, I admire how the Holy Spirit moves Solomon to pin these words down and how he encourages us to marvel not at things that seem confusing. Things that God does that we don't understand and God does a lot of things that we don't understand. And not all men marvel at this because not all men see it. But I believe those who've been awakened to righteousness, they marvel at these things. Not merely at these things, and I'm getting ahead of myself, but not at these things. But the thing we're told not to marvel at is that God, who is pure, has pure eyes than to bold evil and cannot look on iniquity, that He would sovereignly and providentially allow such things to persist with no apparent intervention. To this we're not to marvel that oppression of the poor and violent perversion of judgment and justice is everywhere in the world we know farewell of. But Solomon says, don't marvel at that. Marvel at the fact that God apparently allows or permits this to go on. Though the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, Paul said. He said the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. But he goes on to say how unsearchable. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? What Solomon, through the Holy Spirit of God, requires of the believer in this text is of no ordinary faith. It's believing in God when things outwardly, when providentially things look contrary to what God Himself desires. And this is so fitting for this day and age in which we live in because we look around the world today and we wonder how long God's going to allow such perversion of judgment and justice, such oppression of the poor should go on. How long will God be long-suffering towards those who reject Him and His truth and His Word and His people? We wonder and we ponder that God allows such a thing to linger so long. How humbling this divine truth is to man. That God needeth no counselor. And that His judgments are unsearchable and His ways past finding out. That such things are hidden from men and merely to be admired and adored by us as God's children. Sometimes, many times, God will hide His providential dealings. The reason for doing what He's doing... Merely that we should admire Him and adore Him for such providence. This is an amazing 
text here in Ecclesiastes chapter 5. I'm getting ahead of myself because he offers no answer for why God allows that to linger. He simply says, don't marvel at it. Don't be amazed at it. Just trust in Him that is higher than the highest that He regardeth. Simply adore God for His providence. This is an amazing truth here, beloved. To adore and admire God for a dark and mysterious providence that we have no understanding about, but simply to adore and admire and amaze God because of His divine providence. That's an amazing work of faith. An amazing work of faith. And beloved, in the day and age in which we live in today, we need so much to understand this divine truth. To pray that we might have that measure of faith of which Solomon speaks. To see these things go on in this wicked world and still admire and adore God for His divine providence. Knowing that He regardeth knowing that He's aware of it, knowing that He's keeping us through it. Marvel not at the matter, Solomon says. No reason given for permitting such atrocities. And that's what they are. If you, can, if you look at Scripture, the oppression of the poor is something that God despises. Oh, and the violent perverting of judgment and justice. This is something that rises the anger of God. These are two sinful atrocities that God despises. And the believer knowing that looks at all these things and says, I marvel that God is not intervening. And the Solomon says, marvel not at it. No reason given for permitting such atrocities to persist. God doesn't try to explain Himself. No answer to His divine purpose or will for such allowance. Simply a divine commandment. And that's what it is. Marvel not at the matter. It's not a request. It's not He's asking us. It's a divine commandment. Don't marvel at it. A divine commandment. Sometimes, dearly beloved, that's all we need when it comes to mysterious and dark providence of God. It's a mere simple commandment from God. Marvel not at the matter. There's such an assurance in the sovereignty of God that for the child of God, sometimes we simply just need a commandment from God. We don't need a reason. We don't need an explanation. We just need to know with our hearts by faith that God has sovereignly commanded us not to marvel. Unfortunately, many Christians don't see such a divine truth in Scripture. Let me, I'm getting ahead of myself, but let me... Let me tell you something. Something an old Puritan once said it makes a lot of faith sense, and I believe it's a it's a language of Scripture. Where our faith faileth, let us obey. Makes a lot of sense. Sometimes when our faith faileth to understand or see what God is doing, let us simply obey the Word of God. Simply be obedient. You know the emphasis God's Word puts on obedience. Sometimes God would just have us simply obey His command. No explanations. No reason given. 
simply obey God. Marvel not at the matter. Here, that faith which has been exercised and has acquainted itself with God, beloved, will rest content on the mere commandment of God. Acquaint thyself with him and be at peace. So good shall come upon thee, Job says, and be at peace. Here, faith that's been exercised and has acquainted itself with God, that knows God, that has been acquainted with God, understands at least to a degree some of the characteristics and attributes of God, will rest content on a mere commandment that God told me not to marvel. And yet even the greatest of God's people have marveled at the dark and mysterious providence and judgments of God. I'll give you a few examples. Look in Exodus chapter 5. Exodus chapter 5 with Moses. <laughs> Who else could have such a clear commandment to follow God's than Moses when God sent Moses to Egypt, and yet look what happens in Exodus chapter 5 when they told them to make more bricks because Moses was seeking to seek their release from Egypt. Exodus chapter 5, verse 20. Listen to this. And they met Moses, the Israelites, and Aaron, who stood in the way, and they came forth from Pharaoh, and they said unto them, The Lord look upon you and judge, because ye have made our Savior to be abhorred in the eyes of Pharaoh and in the eyes of his servants, to put a sword in their hand to slay us. Now watch what Moses does. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Moses marveled at God's divine providence because Moses expected it to go differently. He expected when he went into Pharaoh that God would bless his efforts and that he would release God's people, and yet the, the very opposite happened. And now even the people of God are rising up against Moses. Moses knows he's come to deliver Israel by the hand of God, and yet it appears as though everything is going against Moses. God must not be in this. Moses had no idea what God's providence was doing. He was marveled by it. You remember Elijah? In 1 Kings 19, I won't read the whole text, it's too long, but Elijah did great many things for God. He called down fire from heaven and killed a lot of the prophets of Baal and caused it to stop raining for so many years. He did so many great and wonderful, mighty acts by the power of God. And even after he does all that, one woman stands up and says, I promise I'm going to slay you and kill you. And he runs off and sits under a juniper tree and complains and says, I'm the only one left. I'm the only one faithful. Everything I've done and God, nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. 
all these things, fire from heaven and stopping of the rain and raising the widow's son and, and all of these things, the killing of Baal's prophets, there should have been some sign of reformation in your people, and yet nothing. Jezebel still reigns. Wickedness is still here. Nothing has changed. So God calls Elijah like he did Moses to go to a mountain. And when he gets in there and gets in the cave, God asks Elijah, Elijah, what are you doing here? What's the purpose of this? God didn't explain to Moses. He didn't say, oh, well, Moses, let me explain to you what I'm doing. If you read Exodus further on, God just said, no, you go back and do this. He didn't explain that. He didn't explain to Elijah either. He didn't explain to Elijah what his purpose and his plans was. He simply said, Elijah, what are you doing here? And then, you know, the rest of it, he had an earthquake and he had fire and all this. And this is a, God wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the fire. He wasn't, but a still small voice. You see, Elijah was expecting God to do mighty things like bring down fire, do something terrible, drastic. And God said, no, what I'm going to do is going to be in a still small voice. It's going to be complete opposite of what you think it's going to be. You don't know what I'm doing. You're, you're marveling at it, so to say. Isn't it amazing that God took Moses and Elijah both to a mountain to show him something about God? Look at Psalm 36. We read the verse about God's judgments being like mountains and his ways being like the depths of the sea. My justice is unmovable like a mountain. I'm not moving. I'm not moving. It's amazing the comparison. You need to look into that. There's something in that why God took them to a mountain. But both of Moses and Elijah, great men of God, marveled at God's providence. Habakkuk, you know that little book in the Old Testament towards the back? I'll give you a minute to find it. <clears throat> you know what he said? <clears throat> it's amazing how the Word of God works. Habakkuk chapter 1. So did this minor prophet. You find it right after Nahum and right before Zephaniah. Chapter 1, verse 1, the burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry, and thou wilt not hear, even cry out unto thee of the violence. Sound like Ecclesiastes. And thou wilt not save. Look at his complaint. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Therefore the law is slack, and judgment doth never go forth. For the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth. That's his complaint against God. God, why are you allowing all this to happen? There are many things that we marvel about God, His love for us, His grace, His mercy, His wisdom. But nothing marvels us more than when it appears as though His providence contradicts His promises. So Solomon gives a small, short commandment. Marvel not at this matter. <laughs> that's, that's the extent of it. Marvel not at it. Look at Psalm chapter 13. Psalm chapter 13. 
I'm telling you, this verse is very relevant for today. Psalm 13. David here speaking. <clears throat> Listen to David, Psalm 13. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? Strange word coming from a man whose heart was after God, right? Could God ever forget David? How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord? You ever been there forever? Listen to me. This is faith tried at its greatest. Faith in a receding God is what the old Puritan preacher said. Faith in a receding God. Faith in a God that recedes so much you sense not nor feel not his presence, yet you still have faith in God even though he doesn't give you any physical comfort. Faith simply believing in God. How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide thy face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Lighten mine eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death, lest mine enemies say I have prevailed against him, and those that trouble me rejoice when I am moved. But look at the latter two verses. But I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. I will sing unto the Lord because he hath dealt bountifully with me. David, you are mixed up, dude. Here's, here's the struggle of a true believer in his heart and his soul when he's struggling with that sense of unbelief and doubt and how faith rises above that and enables us to believe in a God that we do not sense nor feel and still say, I can trust in God. That's why Solomon's encouragement and exhortation is so important. Marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth. Trusting merely in knowing who God is and what God is capable of doing. <clears throat> That's why, beloved, we are encouraged to grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Over the last three works, three weeks, I've been listening. I, I, I question even the foundation of their salvation, but been listening, and it's, it's 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 an average thing amongst many professing Christians, where people have been saying things and preaching things, such as Christ, when he walked amongst men, he had to learn something. He made mistakes. He didn't want to do God's will, and I'm and I'm thinking to myself. I, I, I feel so sorry, but yet angry at these people because they know not God. God don't make mistakes. Christ didn't make mistakes when he walked amongst men. He made a mistake and he learned by He didn't learn mistakes. If God makes mistakes, he can't be God. Their God is not my God. When Christ was in the garden and prayed that prayer, he seriously didn't want to do God the Father's will. It's ridiculous. When we acquaint ourselves with God, we are at peace, even though there's no promises, so to say, to hang on. Simply trusting in who God is because we are acquainted with Him. We know who He is. We know His character. 
who are acquainted with him intimately. And we trust him. I'm getting ahead of myself because the promises of God, they're all in Christ. Yea and amen, right? But the promises are only as good as the promiser. If I don't believe or if I don't know the promiser, he who promised them, how can I believe the promise? But if I know him who promised. And sometimes I don't need a promise. Listen to me. Sometimes I don't need a promise. This is faith that is greatest. I don't need a promise. Listen to me. Sometimes I don't need a promise. I need simply to know God. Job said at best, those who know their God shall do great exploits. Those that know their God. You know, it's easier for the believer to accept those providences of God which do not appear dark and mysterious. You know, like the daily bread he gives us, our daily lives. We always talk here, which is good. I love the providence of God, like John Flavel. I mean, it's just one of my favorite books to read next to scriptures. And I love the providence of God. It's one of my favorite attributes, how God providentially provides for us, even in the small things of life, whether it be medicine or whether what God does is with the certain things on the job or whatever it might be. It's easy for us to accept those providences that appear <clears throat> good and beneficial. But when they appear dark and undiscernible to our limited understanding, <clears throat> we often fret and become dismayed. And yet Solomon says, No, marvel not at this matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth. No promise. Simply look to him who regardeth. Look to God. Do you know God? Do you know God? And it's how well we know God that we can really draw comfort from what Solomon is saying. Look at Isaiah chapter 50. We've read this verse before the last few weeks. But Isaiah chapter 50. Verse 10. Who is among you that feareth the Lord, that obeyeth the voice of his servant, that walketh in darkness? Again, look at it. It's walking in darkness and hath no light. There's no light. No dar There's darkness. No light. Let him trust in the name of the Lord. And watch this. Stay. Settle. Cement. Establish yourself. Upon his God. Do you understand that all these promises that God gives us in this word is to lead us to a greater acquaintance with Christ? Do we, uh, hopefully we understand that. It's not simply to give us promises, but it's to acquaint us better with Christ. The word of God, when it's been engrafted into our hearts and our minds, and all the promises over God, should acquaint us more with Christ, the person of Christ. For he that is higher than the highest regardest, stay upon his God. But after giving a divine commandment to marvel not at the matter, Solomon, in our text, directs our faith not to any promise, but to God Himself. For He, this is why you should not marvel at God 
God's providence in permitting these things to persist. This is why we should not marvel, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth. That's why we are exhorted not to marvel. There's no promise given, but Solomon says, look to God who regardeth. The people that do know their God shall be strong and do exploits. The people that do know their God. For he that is higher, that is faith in the person and character of God, knowing him as he is acquainted and familiar with the attributes and person of his God. Solomon directs us to the person of God, him. He that is higher than the highest. When Habakkuk was making his complaint in that same chapter, at the end of the chapter, this is what this is what he says, and I'll read it in chapter one, verse twelve. Art thou not from everlasting? Listen to these words. Same exhortation Solomon gives us. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord my God? Mine holy one, he said. He makes the complaint, but at the end of the complaint, he turns to God. Art thou not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, mine Holy One? It's like the Lord Jesus Christ when he was on Calvary. And we know that the Father turned his face away. He could not look upon sin purized and to do that even when the Lord cried my God my God why hast thou forsaken me he speaks of the father forsaking him but he doesn't say just merely God he says my God he still says my God my God why hast thou forsaken it's still my God you've fallen still my God just like the psalmist have you forgotten me forever it's my God that's amazingly strange, isn't it? To feel or sense forsaken and yet at the same time faith to say, but yet he's my God. <laughs> Explain that one. Oh, the mystery and majesty and glory and wonder of faith goes beyond reasoning. So can a believer like David be marveled at the absence of the presence of God and still have faith in God? Yes, they can. My soul, why art thou cast down in me? I shall yet see God. This is the amazing gift of faith. It's not man-given. It's not man-made. It's given to us by God. And it, beloved, it can, it can overcome any reason or logic our human minds can develop. It brings us up to a level of believing in God, even though we do not sense His presence, <coughs> but trusting in Him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. <coughs> That's why Solomon says in our text, marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest 
regardeth. That's all you need to know. He said, he, he regardeth. That's sufficient. Beloved, the divine promises of God can only comfort and encourage our hearts as we know in our hearts him who commands the promise. This is the difference between true Christianity, and I'm going to use the word religion in a bad way, and religion. Religion tries to hang on to the promises of God, but they don't know God. So they, they, they do their best to kind of quote, yell, scream, and holler and claim the promises, yet they do not know God. So the promises are none effect to them. And if it is, it's only a temporary fleshly high, so to say. That's why they can shout on Sundays and on Monday, feel so depressed. And... The promise, like I said before, is only as good and assuring as he who makes the promise. So in this text, in our text, in this situation, when Solomon says marvel not, he doesn't point anyone or any believer to the promises. He points them to God himself. Look in Psalm 43. Stay with me. Psalm 43. Why is this so important for us? Because, beloved, in the day and ages which we live in now, when wickedness is on the rise like never before, when we're seeing a violent perversion of just judgment and justice and the oppression of the poor, which is going to increase, and we're going to see the world get even more wicked and vile before God comes back, we're going to have to have the same kind of confidence and faith and trust in God of which Solomon is speaking. <clears throat> Psalm 43 Listen to the psalmist again, David. Judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. Listen to that. Sounds like it could be today, right? O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Listen to this. Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Sounds like Solomon. When you see, when you see these things, Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. There's the solution. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill. Where are they bringing him? To God and to thy tabernacles. <clears throat> now watch this. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God. Sound like Solomon. For I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Oh, beloved, in God. Have I put my trust? Psalm 56, 11. Listen to this. In God. Elohim. You know what Elohim is? There's a lot of different names for God in the Old Testament. Elohim means covenantial God. And it's important that we understand the names of God in the Old Testament. Sometimes they refer to Jehovah. Sometimes he refers to God as a covenant-keeping God. That's what Psalm 56 is. In God. In my covenant-keeping God have I put my trust. Why? I have a covenant with God through Christ. It's everlasting. He's a covenant-keeping God. He's my God. 
in God have I put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. He doesn't say I won't be afraid of man. He says I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Because I put my trust in God. So you see, that's what Ecclesiastes is doing. He doesn't point to promises. He points to God. For he that is higher than the highest regardeth. Now I'm going to quickly just bring this to a close, but I'm going quickly. I want to look at this just real quickly. He said he regardeth. And there's two. There's a twofold exhortation in that word, he regardeth. And I'll be very quick with these. The first one is that he regardeth concerning the believer. And that's what Solomon wants. God regardeth it. I mentioned a little bit last week, but to regard is to show our hearts that though these sinful things of which Solomon speaks of abounds around us, God is very much aware of them. He's very much aware of them, but this is the comfort. And he's watching over his children with a watchful and caring eye. That's what regarding means. Solomon says, marvel not at this. Just be aware and believe that God, who is higher than highest, is watching over you and caring for you and protecting you in the midst of the oppression of the poor, in the midst of violent perversion of judgment and justice. God is watching over you. Have you ever, ever read Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8? I'm sure you have. They that touches you, touches the apple of his eye. You know what the apple of the eye is? It's that center point of your eyeball, which is the most sensitive part of your whole body. It's very sensitive. That's what an apple of an eye is. And God says, I'm so sensitive to those who touch you, it's like the apple of your eye. The smallest, the smallest affliction touches me. When they touch you, that's how I feel towards your affliction. That's an amazing God. You see, you get that from one word regardeth? Yes, I get that from one word regardeth, which leads to many more verses in God's word. God says, Solomon says, it's enough. You don't need any promise. You don't need God to declare or explain his dark providences. You don't need to know why God allows this to linger. You don't need to know why God allows such atrocities to, to persist without him intervening. You just need not to marvel at it and believe and trust that God regardeth it. He's watching over you. He's caring for you. Isaiah 63 says, in all their affliction, he was afflicted. Stay with me. Isaiah 43. I want you to read this with me. Isaiah 43. A lot of scripture. <laughs> Isaiah 43, 1 to 2. But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Listen to these. Listen to these words. <clears throat> but now... Thus saith the Lord that created thee, O Jacob, and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name. I love these three words, thou art mine. I've redeemed thee, I've called thee by thy name. You hear the intimacy in that? Thou art mine, you're mine. I'm God's, you're mine. Now watch this, when thou passest through the waters, not if you will, but when you will, when you will, when you pass through the waters, I will be with thee. And through the rivers, oh, water's getting a little deeper, deeper here now. It's not just through waters, now it's rivers. They shall not overflow thee. You might think it is. You might think it's getting deep. They're not going to overflow you. 
when thou walkest through the fire. I like how he said walk. If I was in a fire, surely I'd be running. God says, no, you're going to walk in it. When you walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? For I am the Lord thy God, the Holy One of Israel, thy Savior. I gave Egypt for thy ransom, Ethiopian sheep for thee. You see that? For I am thy God, since thou was precious in my sight. Thou hast been honorable, and I have loved thee. <laughs> what amazing words there. Could there be anything more comfort? You see why Solomon doesn't give us a promise in Ecclesiastes? He said, in such dark times of providence, marvel not at it, but look to him who regardeth. And yet the second part of that regarding, and it's twofold, and I won't go into detail with that, but I will tell you what, it's a solemn warning against those who commit such sinful things. God sees it. God knows it. And God's taking it into account. And I believe we all know the scriptures in regards, we've looked at Peter in regards of the last days and the ungodly and the sinner and those that obey not the gospel. The second and meaning of that regard is God is going to bring all men into judgment. So he says in Acts chapter 17, God has appointed a day of judgment by him, Christ Jesus. So there's a twofold meaning to that word regard. He comforts his people, but he guarantees those who commit such sinful atrocities that God shall bring them into judgment. So it's a twofold comfort. And I like how he closes out uh, verse 8 of Ecclesiastes 5. It's like a double comfort here, and there be higher than they. doesn't matter what they do. The counsel of men shall not stand. I love how this one verse in this most amazing book, a place that is very unusual to find such a verse, that the Holy Spirit of God would put a verse in the midst of all of this in Ecclesiastes 5 that points us to God in a time when the oppression of the poor and the violent perversion of judgment and judgment abound everywhere, God tells us, as he is today, in the midst of the perversions of this present world, marvel not at the matter, for he that is higher than the highest regardeth, and there be higher than they. That's where we place our comfort and our confidence, in God. In God, not seeking any answers, not seeking any explanations, simply trusting in God. Amen? May God give us grace to take what Ecclesiastes 5.8 has shown us and may we apply it to our own hearts and may we learn as God's children that all the promises are yea and amen in Christ and all promises of God lead to Christ. And I pray that we would get more acquainted with God that we might be at peace so good shall come unto us. That we too, like Solomon, could be able to say, I marvel not, because I trust in him who is higher than the highest. And he regardeth. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that, God, you'd help us now to meditate upon it until it affects us, our entire being, our faith, our trust, our confidence in you. Father, we are living in dire times. 
perilous times. Lord God, if you do not quickly return, they shall quickly grow even more perilous. Lord, help us to look back on Ecclesiastes. And may we draw comfort from thy word and from thy promises. May we, Father, Lord God, may we, as Solomon exhorts us, not marvel at what's going around, but trust in he who is higher that you regardeth these things. Father, we love you and we thank you for all things. We ask now for this faith and this trust and this confidence in the most darkest hours. Lord, may you guide and direct us now in all things. You know that, Father, there are many great decisions coming up in the next few weeks. We know not what your providence has in store. We pray that we would just trust in thee. We'd stay upon our God when we walk in darkness and there's no light. We pray that, Lord, we trust you with all our hearts. And as David, when our souls are cast down, may we, like David, speak and encourage ourselves that we shall yet see God. Father, I pray that you'd be honored and glorified in all we say and do. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.